Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Oh, we're so happy to be here. Hello, welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Sabbath morning with Katie (laughs) and Sarah. Evil Robot Bitches Club. (laughs) Yes, I love how we've turned Thursdays into the Sabbath day. It's official, everyone. (laughs) It's been changed, just so you know. Um, before we begin, I have some corrections uh, to make. (laughs) So a couple of episodes ago, we did an episode covering one of Joseph Smith's polygamist wives. And and we had a really lovely listener reach out and uh, kindly told me that I was pronouncing her name incorrectly the whole time. I was saying it Zina. It's Z-I-N-A. But actually, it's pronounced Zina. Which... Oh, so when I kept saying Zina, the warrior princess, that was in fact incorrect. <laughs> we were incorrect. But um, I mean, I guess that's proof that I hadn't listened to anything. I, I had never heard her name before. I just learned it through reading. Um, so um, I'm not embarrassed about it, but I am wanting to correct myself that that's how you say it. And another correction. Uh, our corner. corner, our patron that goes by the name Sephronia. I mistakenly said that that was also the name of one of Joseph Smith's wives, but it was actually one of Joseph Smith's sisters. So again, that just shows how much that the women are not taught about in Mormon history uh. because I confused that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, Daisy. Um. But uh, also speaking of Patreon, I want to give a shout out to our newest patron, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for joining us over on Patreon. Hello, Jennifer, and welcome. And thank you. Thank you for being a part of the club. Yeah. um, I haven't even told you this, Sarah, yet. But on Patreon, I'm working on a new little series that I'm doing with our friend Kelly. You know Kelly. She's amazing. Oh, Kelly's a babe. I love yeah. her. Um, and she volunteered to do some episodes with me where she's going to do like really deep dives into some Mormon history things. We're going to start with the Book of Abraham and she's going to give us some gems over on Patreon. So if you want to join that, and and I think you want to because she's amazing with her research, uh, just go over to patreon.com slash not so Molly Mormon, and it's all over that there. That is amazing. And again, I say it every week, but like Katie and the guests who are on Patreon over there are doing an amazing job of putting out a lot of content. It's like new for me. I haven't listened to these episodes yet, but I did see a few comments coming through and I was like, huh, I wonder what this <laughs> content is. I'm excited to listen myself as a listener, but also I can already tell it's it's really incredible. And the reviews and comments we've had over on Patreon have been really positive. So go yeah. with Katie and Kelly. <laughs> Kelly's incredible. Um, yeah, we really know is. Courses, so go listen. Oh, thanks, Sarah. Um, and one last little note uh, for myself from me, just to all of you. Um, last week, I... I was struggling with mental health last week and I have never reached out publicly for help or even really spoken about my mental health publicly. And I was in a place, I'm not going to really get too into it. Oh, I'm getting emotional, but um, 
I was in a place where I felt like I needed support. And so I just asked for tips on our Instagram. And I was floored by how many of you took the time to reach out to me and to help me and just all of these amazing, thoughtful paragraphs of responses that really did help me get into a better headspace. And I'm I'm well enough to record today. So I'm um, sorry for my shaky voice, but <laughs> thank Aww. you all so much. And then thank you to Sarah. I also reached out to her and she gave me tips and um, I just love you guys all so much. And <laughs> Yeah, just thank you. <laughs> Aw, we love you, Katie. <laughs> and I, yeah, I was really impressed with everyone's response because at first I didn't really, I didn't know that that story was up there. And then I, I looked at it and I was like, oh, Katie, like I, we <laughs> talked about it before, like the two of us, but I was really, really proud of you, first of all, for speaking about it and reaching out for help in a public space. I know it's really difficult. I know that is, it's hard to talk about mental health, especially in a public forum. And so I'm just proud of you. And I'm really, Thank really, you. really happy that you guys responded in such a positive and helpful way. And I, I didn't read all of the comments because, or the messages because they were for Katie, but the ones that I quickly looked at, I just thought like, wow, you guys are incredible. Yeah, like, and I'm so incredible. And you know, especially coming from a religious background, uh, mental health is stigmatized enough. But then you, the, we, the coping mechanisms weren't ever in place. And so you were taught, like, when you were feeling those bad things to pray. And now I, I don't have prayer anymore. And it was overwhelming when I reached out and all of you helped me. So thank you very much. I love you all. Um, the best. <laughs> All right, now that I'm done dominating the uh, microphone, Sarah, do you have any announcements or should we jump in? <laughs> I don't have any. Let's jump in. Okay, so for today's episode, my sources came from uh, a lot of the um, ex-Mormon Reddit, like Reddit forum, the subreddit, and there was a website called Wheat and Tears that I found interesting. I found an interesting article about this, and then I also got input from our patrons on Patreon. So today we are talking about object lessons. Uh, oh yeah, right? It's all, you hear that and you're like, oh no, oh no. Which Mormons <laughs> love a good object lesson, right? I had, I got so many back in the day. And so, for those of you, <laughs> maybe you you haven't been religious or don't know, um, and object lessons can be used in other forms, not just in church, but an object lesson is a teaching method that consists of using a physical object or a visual aid as a discussion piece for a lesson. And obviously, <laughs> we're going to be focusing on Mormon object lessons. And these can range from like all different kinds of things. They can be just really stupid or boring or incredibly harmful. Yep. Um, and we're going to get into some examples. The first one that came to mind, I mean, there's a few, but there's the licked cupcake analogy. Which I have to say, we're going to have the same. Uh, sorry, there's an annoying parakeet outside my window. <laughs> I just heard that and I was like, what's, what's, what's chirping? <laughs> what, what city do I live in? Yes, I'm in London and there are parakeets everywhere, which is like the most bonkers thing. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I, cause I quickly, when Katie told me the topic, I was like, 
Ooh, okay, yeah, I definitely remember these. But I was like, I just want to do a quick little, like, search and see what pops up. And the first one was the ex-Mormon Reddit. So I went down that rabbit hole of reading the comments. And some of the lessons I had never heard of. But the leaked cupcake one was, like, I think the first, which I was like, oh, murder. I cannot wait to talk about this one. Ugh, it's it's when the Sunday school teacher will bring in a, a beautiful, pristine cupcake. And you're talking about purity, sexual purity, virtue. And the the teacher licks the top of the cupcake. Well, I think what happens is they show the, the class the cupcake all perfect and says, who wants it? Everyone raises their hand. Then the teacher licks the frosting <laughs> And asks, well, now who wants it? And nobody wants it. And that's supposed to symbolize you losing your virginity. And then no one will want you after that. It's so fucked. But also, because I'm hungry all the time, because I'm pregnant. But also, even before I was pregnant, I was hungry all the time. That just makes me <laughs> angry. Like, you can't tease a bitch like that. You can't have a cupcake <laughs> and then lick it. Yeah, oh. right? It's just absolutely rude. It's rude. <laughs> but it's also extremely dangerous and harmful to teach young people that they, if they have sex once, they're ruined and no one will want them. <sighs> the, the purity culture is just absolutely disgusting. It's horrible. It, and, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, these lessons are taught at a really young age, too. So not that you know, they shouldn't be taught at any age, but just think of it like this, this is taught from most of the time, and it could even be younger, like it sometimes can be in in primary, but I remember it the most starting in young women when you're like Mm -hmm. 12. Yes. And then also in seminary, I remember getting lessons like this. So that's 14 to 18. And then of course, at institute, when you're a young adult, you know, 18 to 30, you still get these object lessons. And it's almost always the same thing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's Those are the ones that stick out to me in my memory as well. Um, and they also do things like this. I saw one where the teacher will bring in a cake and the, the class is all excited. They see the cake that's displayed on the table. And then the teacher smashes the cake with their bare hands. And then they're like, oh, yeah, no one wants this cake now because my dirty hands have been all in it. And then they just throw the cake away. Listen, this is like, making me outrageously angry. <laughs> Do not throw away a perfectly good cake, especially if it's a cake sheet cake from Winn Dixie or Publix, is what I'm imagining, because I just want one right now in my face. <laughs> like, how dare you waste a how good cake for an absolute you. shit object lesson? So, not only are you instilling shame and all of this intense shame on your pupils, but you're also being wasteful. Yes. <laughs> there's just so much wrong here. Um there is also there's also this this object lesson that's it's like they try to for example, they'll they'll give you a there's a plate of brownies and they'll say who wants these and everyone raises their hand and then they'll go, "Well, you never know. I might have put some of my dog's poo in these brownies. Now do you want some?" And everyone's like, "No, no, no. No, I don't." And I think the lesson there is, like, sometimes things can look good or look enticing, but the inside is rotten, and they're led by the devil. So don't just always follow things that are shiny and pretty, because they might lead you astray. 
But also, what did you discard those young kids thinking they're going to eat dog shit? Exactly. Like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> there was, yeah. And dogs, like, in my brownies, their dog food in my brownie, like, yeah. also, uh, okay. Then yeah. they're just going to be thinking that every time they're given a brownie. There is also one where this one is going to make you upset too. It's another cupcake one, but what oh the God. teacher, <laughs> what the teacher does is they bake a batch of, of uh, cupcakes and instead of sugar in the recipe, they use salt, but they don't tell the children what they've done. They just pass out the brownies and then the kids bite into it and it tastes awful. And they're all spitting it out and gagging. And the teacher's like, see, some things that look good are rotten on the inside. How awful is that? That would make me sick. Like, ugh, no. That's no. That's not, nice. not nice to do to somebody, but also, again, wasteful. And it's teaching these kids to be extremely judgmental. Like, oh, is that person rotten on the inside because they're wearing a pretty dress? I don't know. I don't know. I was taught that, like, some things that look pretty are not pretty on the inside. What? That's so <sighs> fucked. I can't, I never had any of these types of object lessons with the whole like tricking you with salt or yeah, saying that there's dog shit in a brownie, which I think is even more fucked up. Like it's, it's like, hey, don't trust anything that's good in life or, you know, assume the worst in people because. Yeah, yeah. Assume the worst unless the church says that they're okay. Then follow them or hang out with them or whatever. Um, all right. Now I, I want to get into some specific examples. I asked our patrons if they if they remember any object lessons and they came through. So here's one from Dusty. Uh, uh, she Dusty. says, <laughs> so one family home evening, my dad presented us girls with two packages. One was just a plain paper bag. The other was wrapped in pretty paper and had a pink bow. He asked which ones we wanted, and of course we said the pretty one. Inside was garbage, including a very nasty old banana peel. And, in <laughs> and inside the plain brown bag was beautiful spring dresses for us to wear to Easter Sunday. The moral was that things might look good on the outside, but could be rotten inside and I remember being so confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a little kid, you're like, what? <laughs> as a little kid, you'd be like, why did my dad just give me a rotten banana pill in a pretty bag? I don't get it. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, that makes sense. Now I get the, the moral lesson, like the moral lesson here. Like, I understand. No, like. <laughs> And again, the moral, it's really similar to that, that dog shit one where it's like, oh, you're, you're just teaching these kids to assume the worst of everyone unless the church has told you that they're okay. It, that's, that's the moral, but, but it goes over the little kids' heads when they're too, they're too young to understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this one's from patron Amanda. I sat in on a young woman's lesson where they passed around a plate of cookies and told everyone to take one. And then they made every girl put her cookie back. They said that those cookies were like our bodies and that no one would want one if they'd already been touched. And I was sitting there, not even close to being a virgin, feeling so much shame. Aww. And also, 
also, again, you're wasting the cookies because now you don't know who's touched which one. <laughs> Listen, I would have eaten all of them. I wouldn't have given a fuck because I'm past that. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, I'm that's like, yeah. <laughs> but it, again, like imagine. So, yeah, poor Amanda, who had been one of the, the little Mormon girls who had had sex and been disciplined by the, the bishop. And you get this lesson where your teacher is literally telling you no one is going to want you because a boy has already touched you. What absolute fuck is that? It makes me so upset that little kids, little girls and boys are being taught this. It's like that extra added shame element. And also you're with your peers and you feel like, you know, like, do they know? Do they, can they read? Right. Can they tell? So sad. Um, from our patron, Ashley, I remember a combined youth activity where we went on a difficult hike. At the beginning of the trail, we were all asked to find a rock and bring it to the young men's leader. We did, and he put all the rocks in a backpack, which he then carried for hours up the trail. He refused to let anyone help him carry the rocks, even though he was clearly struggling with the weight. When we arrived at the top of the mountain, he took the rocks out of the bag and said it was a metaphor for celestial Jesus carrying and paying for our sins. I was so, again, she goes, I was so confused. (laughs) This one I just find a little bit funny because he did it to himself. It's like, you're clearly struggling with all these rocks for no reason. He's probably, like, gone all home after that trip and, like, pulled all kind of muscles in his back and, like, injured, but was like, I had to do it for this lesson. The poor guy. But also, these young people are probably, I would probably feel bad. I'd probably be like, oh, I should have picked a smaller rock. Again, kind of like that guilt and shame sort of thing. Like, oh, I contributed to his pain. Ugh. Ugh. All right, I have some more stories from around the internet. Um, Here's one. My seminary teacher was trying to give a lesson on the atonement, and he held up a big-ass onion. He had a student volunteer come up to the front of the class and then explained that the onion represented our sins. Apparently, the only way our sins could be resolved was if the onion was consumed. Yeah, it still doesn't make sense. But anyway, he then... (laughs) He then asked the volunteer if he would eat the onion. The teacher was convinced that nobody would or even could eat a raw onion. And that's why we totally need a savior to eat our onions for us. But it didn't, <laughs> but it didn't quite work out as the teacher was shocked when the kid just grabbed the onion and started eating it like an apple. <laughs> as, I, as I recall, that was pretty much the end of any kind of order in the classroom that day. Talk about a massive backfire. I love this so much. <laughs> so good. That is so good. And oh, it's like, you need a Jesus to eat your onions for you. What a silly analogy, right? And I just love that the kid just did it. I had something similar like this in seminary, but they used garlic. And I think they thought that the kid wouldn't eat the raw garlic, but he did. And he was like in pain. And he smelled like garlic for like a week after. Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, just what a bizarre what a bizarre thing to put children through because they're, they're probably sitting there just so confused. Like why, what? what? <laughs> so 
so I so Jesus eats onions for me. <laughs> Hi, what did you learn at seminary or at church today? Um, Jesus eats onions for me. That's what <laughs> Jesus eats onions for me. <laughs> and he gets really bad breath. <laughs> bad gas, more like it. Raw onions, right. like the number one gas. Right. <laughs> Um, I also remember having like, a lesson in seminary where I was that annoying kid where it was a chewed piece of gum one. Oh, and, uh-huh. Like my seminary teacher was like, now, who wants a piece of gum? And it was like me and one other student because it was just me <laughs> in seminary, <laughs> occasionally one other person. And we both were like, yeah, give me that big piece of uh, big red. Mm-hmm. And then she puts it in her mouth. Like, now do you want it? And I was like, well, yeah, it's fine. You just put it in your mouth. Like, I'll take it. <laughs> She's like, you're not supposed to want it now. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, I love the kids that are just like, sure. Yeah, they, they ruin right. it. But again, like we're laughing. But like in all seriousness, that chewed gum one, I think that damaged so many young people, especially in our generation. I don't know if they still teach that or still demonstrate that. But to, to compare a child to a chewed up piece of gum if they aren't quote unquote sexually pure. I mean, that's damaging. That's such bullshit. So damaging. Um, Okay, here's another one. In primary, the teacher had a potted plant filled with dirt. They called a a boy forward and had his mom there. His mom told him to eat the dirt. He has he hesitated, duh, and the teacher said to trust his mom because she knows best and do what she says, even if it seems like a bad thing. So he ate the dirt and it turned out to be crushed Oreos. So the object lesson was do what you're told, even if you think you shouldn't do it. Wow. Blind obedience. Just do whatever you're told. That's what every cult wants to teach its children. Exactly. Just obey. Just obey. Even if everything inside of you is saying this is wrong. I don't agree with this. Just just obey. It's fine. Oh, that's horrible. But also now I want Oreos. (laughs) This episode's just making you hungry. So hungry. I want everything. Um, here's another one that'll probably make you hungry and mad. Um In Sunday school, our teacher brought in a full home-cooked meal on fast Sunday and threw it in the trash in front of us and said that not taking advantage of our access to the scriptures is like throwing away food. I was so mad and so hungry. That is so wasteful. I'm over these people throwing away food. Like, stop it. I know. Stop it. And also on fast Sunday when everyone's been deprived of food, because listeners, we've covered it a little bit. But if you did not grow up Mormon, the first Sunday of every month, you're required to fast for the first two meals of the day or two meals of your choice of the day. So usually people choose the first two and then they they go to church and they're just starving. So to bring in a home cooked meal to these children and, and then throw it away in front of them. Uh, I would have been straight up a raccoon and digging through that trash. 
<laughs> the cutest, cutest little raccoon. I can just see your little like booty just as like have the garbage can. <laughs> oh, all right. Here's another one. We had been promised a Hawaiian themed youth night activity complete with a fake luau and Hawaiian treats. This sounded so fun to me. My life was rather bleak at the time and I was really looking forward to such a fun activity. The area had been set up like an airplane and we took a fake flight with the leaders passing out drinks and peanuts. It was all so great until the plane fake crashed and we all, and we all like, quote unquote died and spent the rest of the night going room to room around the church building, learning the plan of salvation and which kingdom we would end up in if we weren't good enough. Our parents were all in white in the chapel at the end, which was the celestial kingdom. And I, as a kid, was so confused at why all the adults in my ward owned the white suits and dresses. They were the, like, the temple ones. <laughs> oh, that's so traumatizing. Like as a kid, I would be like, terrified it's definitely all fear yeah right it's like you're you're thinking you're gonna have this really cool evening and then they fake your death and you have to discover where you're gonna end up in the afterlife and are you gonna be able to be with your parents in that room or are you gonna be separated into like the primary room where there's sticky gum all over everything that's so horrible I'm I'm laughing because I'm just like in shock thinking what adult would be like this is a really good idea for a kid yep i know because you know that traumatize them you know that the group of adults came up with this and they all thought it was a good idea which baffles me but i mean we were mormon once we we know how that works (laughs) oh boy oh boy um okay this person said, I got the apple juice version. Oh, oh my God. My my mic is falling down. Hold, please. <laughs> <laughs> One moment, please. Okay. We're having technical difficulties. <laughs> okay. I got the apple juice version of the cupcake purity. So the young woman, the young woman teacher produces a paper cup and everyone in the room spits in it. Gross. Ew. Then she dumps out the spit, rinses it with water from the tap, fills it with apple juice, and asks, who wants a sip? And no one does. And the teacher then said, remember, girls, once all those other people have spit in the cup, no one cares how sweet you are. Yep, comparing a girl having sex to being spit on. But also it's a bit like... A bit kinky. Some people like to be spit on. Yeah, I know, right? Little did they know. <laughs> I know. I'm all like, well, is that a bad thing? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Depends on who's doing the spitting. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like, but also, oh, you think it's all the the germs and uh, I just I don't. That's horrible. That's horrible. Yeah. Seeing that, like, I'm just picturing like that one. I think is the the most visual metaphor that they could give for sexual purity. Yes. Everyone's spitting in your cup and then you just. Now you're, yeah, now you're gross and you're that cup and no one wants you anymore. Um, All right. At at girls camp, my Bishop gave everyone bags of Hershey's kisses to go with a lesson about how we needed to save our kisses and protect our virtue. So yeah, that's fucked. But I love what this person said. I ate all of my chocolate. 
handed my bishop the empty bag, looked him in the eye and said, all my virtue is gone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'd be traumatized if like this grown ass man gives me candy and is like, just you need to save these, you need to save your kisses. Like, ew, don't. I just think it's gross when these people who aren't qualified to talk about this, they they're talking to you about how you need to save yourself and save your kisses. Like, let let them talk to their parents about this or a qualified, you know, educator, not Bishop Dan from down the road, you know, (laughs) Bishop Dan. (laughs) So um, one that I got when I was in the young women's was um, my teacher had a roll of masking tape and she tore off a piece and she stuck it to her shirt or her dress rather because we were in church and then she unstuck it and then she passed it around the room and we were all supposed to stick it onto our dress and then unstick it and by the last girl it wouldn't stick to her and the moral of the story was that you know you keep having sex it's not gonna stick with your partner when you finally do get married you're not gonna like be in love because you've had sex too many times you're not sticky anymore (laughs) oh I bet you're plenty sticky still it's just (laughs) oh I have never been called sticky in such a way (laughs) (laughs) that's so horrible though to be like oh if you have but it's it's always the same narrative that we've talked about in previous episodes where you're always presented as like if you have sex outside of marriage and especially with multiple men that that means you'll never be in love or that like if it's a yeah. an ex-Mormon or a non-Mormon or whoever that's not a Peter Priesthood, then it's not going to be love. It's never going to be love. It's just going to be quote-unquote lust and Uh that's exactly what you're taught exactly yeah you're never gonna fall in love if you have sex before marriage which um spoiler alert I am not married and I am very much in love and (laughs) I am loved back I will say so (laughs) exactly exactly Another one that I thought was really fucked that I saw was they bring in a wooden board, like a two boy, a two by four. And they say like, this is you, this is your virtue. And then they hammer a nail into it. And that's supposed to represent having sex. And then you, they take the nail out like, oh, this wasn't your, your husband that you had sex with. So now you have this permanent hole, this permanent scar on you. I actually, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, like, that goes against the whole, like, atonement and repentance thing. Like, you're permanently, you're permanently scarred if you have sex before marriage. Also, what about people who get divorced? Exactly, so stupid. It doesn't even make sense. But I also, I saw that on the Reddit thread where someone said that that lesson, um, exactly that, that it's like hammered nails into a piece of wood and then pulling out the nails they said in their lesson was like repentance and that like you, the nail is out. So your sin has been removed, but there's always going to be leftover damage. Oh my God. I yeah. just, I can't. Uh, yep. Um, all right. So these have been kind of lighthearted, but I wanted to kind of end on something a little bit more serious, but I mean, we can still talk about other stuff too. I just wanted to get this in there. Um, I found a quote from Elizabeth Smart. 
And Elizabeth Smart, um, she's Mormon, and she was, I'm sure, like, all of you know this, but she was kidnapped as a young girl. I, I think she was 13 or 14, and she was raped um, multiple times. It was just this horrible, horrible thing. Um, and she's spoken out about the the um, object lessons, and this is something she said at the time after she was sexually assaulted. She said, I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm that chewed up piece of gum. Nobody re-chews a piece of gum. You throw it away. And that's how easy it is to feel like you no longer have worth. You no longer have value. Why would it even be worth screaming out to protect myself? Why would it even make a difference if you are rescued? Your life still has no value. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, it's like that um, that quote that I believe we talked about with Shelby that Spencer W. Kimball said, like, it's better to die trying to, quote unquote, protect your virtue than to lose it. Um, yeah. And so, especially with the recent article that has been released about the church, which I'm sure we'll cover that soon. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's we're going to cover that for sure. Yeah. Um, and all these object lessons are a product of the antiquated belief that, like, a woman's value is in her virginity. And I know that men get these lessons too, but I mean, they're mostly directed towards women. Um, and someone made this comment on the wheat and tears, um, blog post, and this was posted by someone named Anna and I, I copied it and it's a little bit longer, but I just thought it was so well said and I wanted to share it here. So she writes, the one I heard as a teen was a flower with each petal being yanked off. That kind of violence in the object lesson made it so that the rape, a rape victim apply it to themselves even more so than the girl who broke the law of chastity. It misses the intended mark of those who violate the law of chastity and hits hard on the innocent victim of rape or childhood sex abuse. Notice that the flower did not choose to be violated. A perpetrator did it to the victim. This does the most damage to the innocent victims like Elizabeth Smart because she didn't choose to be raped any more than the cake chose to be mashed or the flower chose to be ripped apart. But let's back up. Those objects in the object lessons are not humans, but objects. Talk about objectification of young women. The very premise of this lesson is that girls are things to be lusted after, used, devoured, or discarded by males. Mormons accuse Hollywood of teaching our daughters that their worth is all tied up in their sexual desirability and how Hollywood objectifies women, yet Mormons teach our daughters they're a delicious cake for hungry men. And as a final blow, they teach that the Savior will save everyone but a woman who is sexually sullied, whether it is against her will or not, innocent victim or not. Somehow, women are not worth the Savior bothering with, even the innocent ones. Once dirtied, forever worthless. This just did a thousand, this just undid a thousand lessons on how Jesus loves us and we are the children of God of infinite worth. Nope, you're nothing but a soiled cupcake, a chewed piece of gum. This kind of object lesson doesn't just make the atonement ineffective, it makes women into objects with no worth other than sexual purity. It teaches that God doesn't care. Your worth is as a sexually pure object. So count me as another person that was taught I was worthless to God because of what somebody else did to me. Oh, that's so horrible. I know. And I just thought it was so well said. It's really well said. And I think another thing that you you mentioned and, and this person also mentioning in the blog and Elizabeth Smart is that 
most of these object lessons are towards women, like girls Mm -hmm. and young Mm -hmm. women and actual adult women. Like it's, I would say, you know, I would, I would comfortably say 90% of them are geared towards women and chastity and purity and virtue and always these lessons of your worth is tied up with your sexual purity and that you basically are worth nothing if you allow some some man to defile you yeah it's Mm -hmm. just I mean there I don't know if you saw this one too this uh object lesson but it made me feel it just it yeah it's exactly that that it's always targeted to the women um it said I had to watch a video where the bride and groom each presented a pair of shoes the groom's shoes were immaculate he says I saved them just for you the bride sheepishly pulled her dirty, worn shoes out and said, I might have let one or two guys wear them. Notably, every lesson I've been seen or I've, I've seen about this puts the woman in the position of losing purity. The oh. teacher always frames it as being a lesson for men and women, but the video has just the woman being impure. Oh so why, why couldn't it be that the man's shoes were dirty? But of course... Right? Of course, but also how awful is that, that you're comparing yourself and what you can offer your future spouse as a pair of shoes? Again, you're not an object. And this, I think, I was just wanting to ask you, like, do you think this affected you in terms of even, like, leaving the church? Because I know that it affected me. And until I found my current partner that I've been with for a long time, I felt like I don't know if I had been with someone before, it was almost as if I was less valuable. I was less worthy. And when I got with him, he was like, I don't care. I don't care who you've been with or why. I'm just happy you're with me now. But as a Mormon, you're taught, no, you shouldn't be with anyone before your final partner, your spouse. And almost as if it's like this embarrassing, dirty thing that you have to disclose, like, oh, I did this. And then the man is all annoyed or jealous of you know of what you've done um but I didn't realize that's not healthy you've done <laughs> your past is in your past and your partner loves you for you not for your virginity yep no I completely a, a thousand percent agree I think that was the biggest hold up for me leaving the church or or moving on from leaving the church I think you know I had mentally checked out and decided that I left but you know, the sex, the sex was the biggest issue for me. If you guys remember in our busted episode two audio, <laughs> where I talked about it in a lot of detail, but obviously the more, like the older I get and, you know, hopefully more mature I get. When I look back at that time, like, of course I was excited about talking about sex and experiencing it, but it was really, it was really difficult for me to even get to that point because I thought, right, I'm okay with drinking. I'm okay with having coffee. I don't feel guilty as much about those things. Got it. But when it came to sex, it took me a really long time to even think about losing my virginity once I left the church. And even then, as I've talked about in episodes before, it was like, I just didn't deal with those feelings, which led to mm-hmm. being placed in a lot of situations that were not healthy for me at all. Very toxic. And I just didn't have a good relationship with my self-worth because I was taught that sex and 
losing your quote-unquote purity meant that you were worthless, that you weren't worthy of love, you weren't worthy of a relationship, that this was just all you had, was all you're good for was sex and that was it and you would never be worthy of love. And so it took a lot to get through that. And as you mentioned, like for me personally, it was not just therapy and chatting about it with like really close friends, but also meeting my husband now who was like, that's, what are you talking about? Basically like this (laughs) has nothing to do with birth and I love you for you and not because of your, who you've been with in the past. Like everyone has been with someone in the past. And I was like, yeah, but that's not how it was taught. And like, yeah, you know, I'm embarrassed. Like, I feel like you're going to judge me. I feel like you're going to think that I'm disgusting or blah, blah, blah. And that wasn't the case, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. So it did cause us lasting damage that we kind of have worked through now in our thirties. Thanks Mormon church. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have any others that you read or that you experienced no, I think you covered them all. I just wanted to do the shoe one because I'd never heard that one. Yeah, that and was the, gross. The wood. Yeah, yeah, it's a wood one that you mentioned. Uh, I mean, there's also another classic one, which I read quite a few stories from. And I kind of vaguely remember maybe Indian women doing something similar to this, but it's where you get like a dress or a white piece of cloth or something that's like white and pure. And then you like get a marker or food dye or whatever and you just like put it on the the white piece of clothing or the white wedding dress and that represents like if you have sex outside of marriage before your wedding day that yeah you can scrub it out but there will always be a stain on your Uh, I just also Uh, you're just going around ruining dresses but what the fuck right that's what I thought of (laughs) <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure, the atonement and repentance is there, but it's not really there for if you have sex, though. Like, if you do any other bad, quote unquote, you know, bad things, sin, sins, then you can fully repent and you'll be clean again, but not with sex, because for some reason, that's the one that we're going to hammer you with the most shame about. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Our, our size. <laughs> exactly. It's just horrible. We hope you guys take from this lesson <laughs> that you are not <laughs> objects, that you are amazing, incredible people. And if you heard these lessons as a teen or a youth or an adult, please know that they have no relevance. They're just toxic. They're damaging. And just go eat that fucking cupcake. Chew that piece yeah. of gum. Yeah. Get that cake. Eat it all. Have that brownie, even if it does have dog shit in it. Who knows? Just eat it and enjoy it. Live life on the edge. <laughs> YOLO. Oh, man. All right. Well, we'll wrap this up. But thank you again for listening so much, you guys. We love you and have a great week. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.